Welcome everyone to the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you for coming back to the mountain. Week three was so much fun. There were some blowouts, a few photo finishes, and all the buildup to Colorado, Colorado State was well worth it. After we recap all of last week's games, we'll get you prepped for all the games coming your way in week four. As always, we'll finish the show by handing out this week's Hikes Peak Weekly MVP. Let's get right into it. The first game of the week was on Friday night with Utah State going to Colorado Springs to take on the undefeated Air Force Falcons and it was the worst possible start for the Aggies in the first 19 minutes of the game. They had five straight scoreless drives, three punts, a fumble, and an interception at the 25-yard line. Falcons started their offensive drives with four straight touchdowns and then a fifth came courtesy of a Lega interception that put them up 29 to nothing. Air Force opened the second half with a touchdown drive to go up 39 to 7, which definitely sealed the game. They were 9 of 13 on third down, had 344 rushing yards, and averaged 5.4 yards per carry. Utah State did find the end zone on three of their last four drives of the game, but it was just too late, and they also only averaged 2.1 yards per carry, which definitely doesn't help. Zach Larrier had a solid game. He had 84 pass yards and 56 rushing yards and a touchdown. Emmanuel Michelle, who is the name we haven't talked about, but is definitely one you should keep an eye on. He's a senior fullback for Air Force, and he had a huge game with 28 carries, 106 rushing yards, and three touchdowns. Also had a two-point conversion in the first quarter. He's already had almost 700 rushing yards and five touchdowns in his career, so he's been a good player for his career, but if he's getting this volume of carries, he could realistically be the focal point of this Air Force offense that we've been trying to figure out who exactly that would be. It could end up being Emmanuel Michelle. Owen Burke also had a very good game. He had 15 carries, 110 rushing yards. Alec Mock was incredible. The linebacker had 11 tackles, two sacks, and a forced fumble. P.J. Ramsey had two and a half TFLs and a sack and a half. And Jonathan Youngblood had an interception. Cooper Legault really struggled. He only went two of seven with 46 yards, an interception, and a fumble. He was pulled for the freshman McKay Hillstead, who was actually pretty solid. He went 18 of 27, 220 passing yards, three touchdowns, and also had an 18-yard run, so it's going to be interesting to see who Utah State ends up starting next week. It's reasonable to assume that Hillstead may get the nod with how good he played in relief. Micah Davis, the junior, had four catches, 84 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Probably the best defensive performance of the night from the Aggies came from UCF transfer Cole Joyce, who's just a sophomore, but he had 11 tackles and a sack. Ike Larson also had 11 tackles. Next up, we have the Boise State Broncos playing host to North Dakota and Boise State ended up winning 42 to 18. Boise State had control for the vast majority of this game. They were up 21 to 6 at halftime from two Ashton Genty rushing touchdowns. They then went up 28 to 6 on their first drive of the third quarter, but two quick touchdowns from North Dakota cut the lead to 10. Genty's third rushing touchdown put the game away and one more insurance score with four minutes left gave Eric McAllister his second touchdown of the day. 
today. The offense did have a few mistakes, three turnovers overall, but they went 10 of 14 on third down. And the defense played amazing. They only gave up 183 total yards, only 1.2 yards per carry. And that kept them in the lead for the entirety of this contest. Taylor Green had a bounce back game. He was pretty solid other than his interception. He had 18 of 29. He had 188 passing yards and a touchdown. Also had a rushing touchdown. Gen T had 16 carries, 43 rushing yards, but the three touchdowns did also have two fumbles though and 30 receiving yards. Eric McAllister had his breakout game. I picked him as my offensive breakout player of the year in the preseason. He's proven me right. Six catches, 143 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Marco Notarini also played incredible filling in for DJ Schramm. He had 13 tackles and a sack. Next up, we had San Diego State taking on the number 18 ranked Oregon State Beavers. And once again, the Aztecs just couldn't run the ball, their main focus, and they couldn't get it done. Just 2.1 yards a carry. They were down 12 to 3 at halftime, 19 to 3 in the third quarter. They did turn a Dujia Uyungle interception into a touchdown to cut it to 10 with nine minutes to play. But the very first Beavers play of the next drive was a 75-yard bomb to Anthony Gould to lock it up for Oregon State. And if it wasn't over by then, San Diego State responded with a long drive that ended in, of course, a Jalen Maiden interception on the nine-yard line with five minutes to play to end any hopes of a comeback. Jalen Maiden finished 20 of 32 with 256 passing yards and that fourth quarter interception and only nine rushing yards really wasn't a factor in the ground game. Jalen Armstead was their best running back of anybody at 11 carries, 48 yards, and a touchdown. Jack Browning was only one of three on field goals, which also put them in a hole. On the bright side, Sedarius Barfield and Noah Tumblin both had an interception, Barfield leading the team with three interceptions. Next up, we had Barry Odom in UNLV playing host to the SEC's very own Vanderbilt. It was an absolute roller coaster of a game. Vanderbilt was up 17 early in the second quarter, and Doug Brumfield did get hurt early, leading to the bringing in of Jaden Maiava, the three-star quarterback from Henderson, Nevada. The Rebels tied it with a 17-point run in just a four-minute span and took a three-point lead right before halftime. The Rebels then scored 10 points in the third quarter to go up 32-17, but A.J. Swan and the Commodores would not go away. They came back to tie the game with five minutes remaining, and then Jaden Maiava threw a beautiful touchdown to take the lead with two minutes and 23 seconds to play. Then Vanderbilt got their own touchdown with one minute and 12 seconds to play. Then one more big play was in the bag for Jaden Maiava, who found Ricky White for a 48-yard pass with nine seconds to play. Jose Pisano hit the field goal to win it from 36 yards out. The defense also really played good other than giving up the 37 points. They had a couple of big plays that didn't go their way, but they also had a lot of plays that went their way. They had four forced turnovers and only allowed the Commodores 2.1 yards per carry. Mayava in relief finished 19 of 33, 261 yards, one touchdown and an interception, and he also rushed for a touchdown along with 29 yards. Ricky White was absolutely unstoppable. He had 12 catches and 165 receiving yards. Jonathan Baldwin had seven tackles and an interception. Fred Tompkins had 10 tackles, two tackles for loss, and a sack. And Jure Williams continues his great season with eight tackles, two tackles for loss, a sack, and a scoop and score. Just a huge win for Barry Odom and his team. Next up, we have San Jose State traveling to Toledo to play the MAC heavyweights. San Jose State had 
a 10-7 halftime lead, and they were up 10 points early in the third quarter. They gave up a running touchdown to Daquan Finn to cut the lead to three, and then a pick six off of a poor throw from Chevin Cordiero would be the final score of the game with 16 minutes to play. The Spartans struggled offensively in the second half and couldn't get any points down the stretch. The lack of a run game really hurt them once the Rockets defense locked in on Cordiero, just 1.4 yards per carry. Chevin finished 24 of 42 with 228 passing yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Brian Parham had another very good game with 11 tackles and half of a tackle for loss. And Trey Jenkins had his first interception of the year. Next, we had Wyoming going to Austin to play the number four Texas Longhorns. And surprisingly, Wyoming was well in this game for three quarters. Harrison Whaley had a huge 62-yard touchdown run to open the game. What a way to start off your 2023 campaign. Texas was up 10-7 at halftime, and Wyoming tied it at 10 just before the end of the third quarter. But then it all came crashing down in a six-minute period when Ewers finally hit on a deep ball to Xavier Worthy to take the lead, followed by a quick three and out for the Cowboys. The Longhorns then drove right down the field to go up by 14. Two plays later, Evan Savoboda, who had been starting in place of Andrew Peasley, threw a pick six to push the deficit to 21 points, just like that, and that was it. Savoboda was pretty solid. He went 17 of 28, 136 passing yards, and that interception. He may end up starting next week as with Andrew Peasley still being listed as day-to-day. Harrison Whaley finished with 110 rushing yards and a touchdown, so a great first game for him. Easton Gibbs had 10 tackles, and Wyatt Eckler had 9 tackles and 2 deflections. Next up, we had Timmy Chang and Hawaii traveling to Eugene to take on number 13, Oregon, and it was an absolute shellacking. Oregon was up 24 to nothing in the first quarter. It was 34-3 at halftime, and at one point in the fourth quarter, it was 55-3 before Hawaii did score a garbage-time touchdown. The Rainbow Warriors offense struggled mightily. They only went 2-14 of 14 on third down, only 142 passing yards overall, and their defense only forced two punts. Brian Shager went 27-43 of 43 with 131 passing yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Another guy I want to shout-out is Nalu Emerson, the senior linebacker who is definitely going to be looked to step up in place of Logan Taylor. He led the team with eight tackles and also had a tackle for loss. Next up, we have the Rio Grande rivalry game between New Mexico and New Mexico State. It was a competitive game all night long. The Lobos had two three-point leads in the first half, but were down 17-10 at halftime, and they finally cut the lead back to three with a Dylan Hopkins to Andrew Harrickson touchdown, but the very next play, Diego Pavia hit on a 75-yard bomb to go back up by 10. The miscues really ended up dooming New Mexico's efforts. They had a first quarter red zone fumble that really hurt them, and then they missed a field goal at the end of the game. That really sealed the deal. Dylan Hopkins finished 20 of 39, 247 passing yards and a touchdown. Ja'Cory Krosky Merritt had 16 carries, 83 rushing yards and a touchdown, as well as 31 receiving yards. And Tavion Combs had eight tackles and a tackle for loss. Next up, we had the biggest game of the night with the huge rivalry game taking place between Colorado State and Colorado. In a game with an incalculable amount of hype behind it, the Rocky Mountain Showdown lived up to its billing. It was bonkers from start to finish. Shiloh Sanders opened up the scoring with an 80-yard pick six off of the freshman Braden Fowler Nicolisi. The Rams tied it with an incredible touchdown pass to tight end Dolan Hulker from, wait, 
Tori Horton? Okay then. Colorado State then took the lead on a scoop and score before Shador Sanders' first touchdown of the day tied the game at 14. The Rams were up 21 to 14 and it was already an insanely chippy game. Henry Blackburn lit up Travis Hunter late and knocked him out of the game. He's going to be out for the next three weeks. Both sides have been pushing and shoving after the whistle. It was just an amazing game to watch start to finish. The Buffs offense continued to struggle in the third quarter and then they cut the lead to four early in the fourth quarter before a gravity-defying third down catch from Dolan Holker gave the Rams an 11-point lead with 11 minutes left. Another field goal for Colorado made it a one-possession game, and after a beautiful punt from Patty Turner pinned the Buffs at their own two-yard line with two minutes to play, an upset seemed probable, but Shador had other plans. With poise, he drove his team 98 yards to tie the game with the two-point conversion and send it to overtime. Both teams found the end zone in the first overtime with Norvell opting to not go for the win after matching the touchdown, which I think they might regret for a long time. I think you have to go for two in that situation. The Buffs easily scored in the second overtime and after the offense of the Rams stalled, Coach Prime squad pulled off the miraculous comeback. One more play goes in the Rams' favor. They likely win this one, but in this reality, they fall just short and drop to 0-2. In his first career start, Braden Fowler Nicolosi was very good, all things considered, 34 of 47, 367 passing yards, three touchdowns, and three interceptions. Obviously wasn't a perfect game, but still a very encouraging performance. You would expect him to be the starting quarterback going forward. Torrey Horton was insane. He had 16 catches, which I believe is a school record, 133 receiving yards, a touchdown, and of course that 30-yard touchdown pass in the first quarter, which was just insane. Lewis Brown the fourth had a breakout game with 10 catches, 131 receiving yards, and a touchdown. And Dolan Holker had a breakout performance as well with six catches, 109 receiving yards, two touchdowns, and he did have a fumble as well. Mohamed Kamara had five tackles and two sacks, but he did get a targeting penalty in the overtime period, so he is going to be out for the first half of that Middle Tennessee State game. And Henry Blackburn, besides his big hit that was blowing up on social media, he had five tackles and an interception. Or second the last game from week three is Fresno State coming into Tempe to play Arizona State and it was a dominating victory for Jeff Tedford and the Bulldogs. They dominated a Sun Devil offense that couldn't stop stepping on their own toes. Fresno State was up 16-0 at halftime after Arizona State turned the ball over on every single offensive drive. Fresno added a few more field goals and a Jalen Gill touchdown catch in the second half to put it away while Arizona State had another four turnovers. That's right, they finished with eight turnovers. Mikey Keene finished 32 of 49, 281 passing yards and two touchdowns, so pretty solid day for him. Eric Brooks finally had a game where he didn't catch a touchdown, but he still had a great game with 11 catches and 104 receiving yards. There's so many guys on the defense that had great statistical outputs, but some guys I want to highlight. Lavelle Bailey had seven tackles and a forced fumble. Carlton Johnson, the senior corner, had three tackles and three interceptions, all from different QBs, and Cam Lockridge had two tackles and his first interception of the year. In the final game we will recap was the Jayhawks of Kansas coming to Nevada to play the Wolfpack and the Kansas Jayhawks were huge favorites in this game but that did not deter the Wolfpack. They really played really well in one of their best performances of the year after just a dud of a game against Idaho. This was very encouraging to see. The game was tied at 10 just before halftime and then they traded touchdowns back and forth until they were tied at 24 with 
with 10 minutes remaining. Devin Neal's third touchdown of the day did take the lead with six minutes left and the Wolfpack couldn't get anything going on their final two drives. Overall, a very encouraging performance for a team that desperately needed one even if they didn't get the win. Brendan Lewis was pretty solid. He went 15 of 22, 113 passing yards, 53 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns. Amani Johnson, the strong safety, also had a very good game, leading the team with 10 tackles and a tackle for loss. With week three all taken care of, let's get you ready for what's on the way in week four. Starting with on Friday night, we have two games, starting with Boise State playing San Diego State at Snapdragon Stadium. These teams are on opposite trajectories currently. The Broncos suffered through two tough losses to start the year, but they appear to have righted the ship against North Dakota. The Aztecs, after starting 2-0 with a win against a good Ohio team, have gotten dispatched with ease in each of the last two weeks against ranked teams UCLA and Oregon State. We'll see if those trajectories change. Boise will focus on stopping the Aztecs run game, and San Diego State will try to slow down Ashton Genty if at all possible. My prediction going off what we've seen recently, the Aztecs have lost their offensive identity, failing to run for more than two yards per carry in either Pac-12 bout. I can't put my faith in them until they prove they can run the ball against a good team. Boise State didn't play too bad versus UCF and finally gave Taylor Green a confidence boost in that North Dakota game. I think that the Broncos win by double digits. My prediction, Boise State 28, San Diego State 14. The other game on Friday night is Air Force undefeated at 3-0, traveling to San Jose to take on San Jose State. Air Force is coming off a dominant performance against Utah State, where they were up 29-0 before you could say Trey Calhoun's hat. The Spartans, meanwhile, are coming off a tough loss to Mac Heavyweight Toledo, where their offense just didn't get it done down the stretch. San Jose State will need to avoid allowing any home run plays to a Falcon offense that's still figuring it out. The Falcons will look to pressure Chevin Cordiero and force a turnover or two. If San Jose State can't hold on to the football, it'll be smooth sailing for Air Force. My prediction, as much as I want to pick an upset here, I just don't have enough confidence in the Spartans offense. With how good the Falcons defense has looked, what are the odds that Chevin can lead his team to a win? Not likely enough for me. I think Air Force makes the game ugly and slugs out a win to get to 4-0. My prediction, Air Force 24, San Jose State 17. Next up, we have New Mexico traveling to Amherst to play 1-3 UMass. UMass has one of their most talented rosters ever this year. It's not saying much since they haven't won more than one game in a season since 2018, but there is things to be excited about if you're a Minuteman fan. Carlos Davis has been solid as their QB. He's a transfer from Western Carolina. K. Ron Lynch Adams is currently third in the nation in rushing yards, and Arizona transfer Anthony Simpson has solidified himself as their best wide receiver. They picked up a week zero win over New Mexico State, but have lost three straight since, including last week, where they lost a heartbreaker against Eastern Michigan on their great turf. Their defense has given up 37 points a game so far, but did play pretty well last week. They'll look to ride K. Ron Lynch Adams for the majority of their offense, so the Lobos will likely focus their defensive game plan on him. For New Mexico, they'll need Dylan Hopkins to hit on some deep shots, and Ja'Cory Krosky Merritt will need to have a big day too. My prediction with how much better the Lobos look on offense compared to last year, I have faith they'll have a bounce back game in Amherst. Ja'Cory Krosky Merritt has another huge statistical output as he outshines Karon Lynch Adams as the best back on the field. My prediction, New Mexico 28, UMass 20. Next up, we have Colorado State taking on Middle Tennessee State. The Blue Raiders have a similar resume to Colorado State so far this year. They got blown out by a ranked team. Alabama beat them by 49, and they both barely lost to very solid power five teams two weeks ago. Middle Tennessee lost by four to Missouri and did have the ball late in the fourth quarter and had a chance to take the lead, just couldn't put it all together. 
rather. They beat Murray State by 21 last week in their home opener and will hope to slow down the Rams' array of weapons and protect QB Nick Vatiato to get their record to 500. For Colorado State, they'll look to keep their offensive momentum going with BFN and Torrey Horton, as well as forcing the Blue Raiders to make some mistakes with the ball. My prediction, I think the Rams get into the win column here. They found their offensive stride in Boulder, and the passing game will be the star of the show for Colorado State. Braden Fowler, Nicolosi throws for another 300-plus yards as the Rams outgun the Blue Raiders. My prediction, Colorado State 45, Middle Tennessee State 35. Next up, we have Appalachian State coming to Laramie to play Wyoming. App State is coming off their worst season as an FBS program, which was 6-6. Six and six. How crazy is that, that they have never had a losing season since rejoining the FBS? That is just wild. This team almost beat Drake May and North Carolina on the road in double OT and features one of the best backs in the nation in Nate Noel, who leads the country in attempts and is second in rush yards. QB Joey Aguilar has been consistent and has found seven different players for touchdowns. The offensive line has been one of the better units in the country. They beat East Carolina last week and look to pick up a big non-conference win before they start their Sun Belt schedule. They'll try to contain the improving run attack of Wyoming while still letting Nate Noel do his thing. The Cowboys will need their defense to buckle down on the run and their own run game will need to be their driving offensive force with Andrew Peasley's status still uncertain. My prediction in a matchup of similar offensive strategies, I think Wyoming will come out on top. Nate Noel gets well over 100 yards rushing, but the front seven of the Cowboys continues to turn touchdown drives into mere field goals, even without Andrew Peasley. I think Wyoming uses a banner performance from the defense to propel them to a grimy victory. My prediction, Wyoming 20, App State 17. Next up, we have Ken Wilson and Nevada going on the road to take on Texas State. G.J. Kine has revitalized the Bobcats, having them on course for a bowl game after their first ever Power 5 win at Baylor in Week 1, almost upsetting UTSA in Week 2, and playing basketball with Jackson State, beating them 77-34. Their offense has been really fun to watch with two transfer QBs leading the way. TJ Finley has been great since coming over from Auburn and Arkansas transfer Malik Hornsby has been an effective rushing weapon. They'll need to stop the Wolfpack's pesky run attack as well as controlling the tempo of the game. If they do that, it'll be hard for Nevada to beat them. For Nevada, they'll need to keep the Bobcats run game in check or else they'll never have enough time to come back. They'll also need one of their running backs to have a big day. Double digit yard totals just won't do it. My prediction, I'm really hoping that Nevada has turned the corner of competency. They fought admirably against Kansas, and while I don't think they'll keep up with Texas State's firepower on offense, I do think they'll cover the spread. Expect Sean Dollars to have his best day yet as Texas State ekes out a win. My prediction, Texas State 38, Nevada 27. Next up, we have the undefeated James Madison Dukes coming to Logan to play Utah State. The Dukes may not be eligible for a bowl game, but they may end up being ranked anyway, sitting at 3-0 after two impressive road wins against Virginia and Troy. They feature a scary defense that makes plays and gives opposing QBs fits. The offense has been decent, but not spectacular. They'll look to shut down the Aggies on offense and control the game from there, kind of like a boa constrictor. But if Utah State has a big offensive display like they did against Idaho State, they may not have an offense capable of catching up. My prediction, James Madison's defense controls the entire game as the Dukes come into Logan and stay undefeated. My final, James Madison 27, Utah State 13. Next up, we have UNLV taking on UTEP in El Paso. The Miners have had a rough start to the year. They lost a close one to Jacksonville State before beating Incarnate Word by 14. They then got blown out by back-to-back Power 5 opponents. 
They didn't put up much of a fight either. While the offense has struggled, the defense has one of the country's best linebackers in Tyrese Knight, who leads the nation in tackles. They'll need to force some turnovers, which they haven't really done so far, and turn those takeaways into points. Whatever help they can give UTEP's offense will be necessary in them finding enough points to get the win. For the Rebels, they'll need Jaden Mayava to avoid turnovers at all costs. The defense will also need to make plays if they can force some turnovers, then UNLV might just cruise. My prediction, after an emotional win against Vanderbilt, I think the Rebels stumble out of the gate making a few mistakes and letting UTEP's home crowd get into it, but as they figure it out offensively, they take control of the game from there. UNLV improves to 3-1 with another amazing performance from Ricky White. My prediction, UNLV 34, UTEP 23. Our second to last game is Fresno State trying to get to 4-0, taking on Kent State. The Golden Flashes were gutted by the transfer portal after Sean Lewis left to become Coach Prime's offensive coordinator, but Kenny Burns is doing his best. They only scored 12 points against UCF and Arkansas combined, but they did take care of business last week against Central Connecticut State. The offense has to avoid turnovers, which has been a real issue for Purdue transfer quarterback Mike Alimo, and they'll need to hit Mikey Keene, which would be a surprise considering they only have three sacks so far this year. Fresno State's defense will need to keep everything in front of them and bide their time until the Golden Flashes make a mistake. The offense will need to find the run game again, ideally. My prediction, I just haven't seen enough from Kent State to believe in them putting up a fight. Fresno State is playing off the charts defensively and the offense is steadily improving as well. I think the Bulldogs have this one wrapped up by halftime. My prediction, Fresno State 45, Kent State 10. And our final game to go over is Hawaii playing host to New Mexico State. The Aggies came away with the victory in the Rio Grande rivalry, beating their rivals 27-17. Diego Pavia has looked better and better as the season has gone on, and the run game is coming along as well. The defense is coming off their best game yet, but they have still only forced two turnovers. New Mexico State will need their run game to be consistent. If it is, it'll open up the deep shots for Pavia and Co. As any game involving Hawaii is concerned, though, whoever wins the turnover battle will win the game. Hawaii will also need their run game to play somewhat of a role since relying solely on Braden Shager is a dangerous game. My prediction with the polar opposite performances these two teams had last week, I'm inclined to ride the hot hand here. I think the Aggies are getting better every week offensively, and I just feel like Hawaii's offense is so inconsistent, I can't trust them to keep up with Diego Pavia. My prediction, New Mexico State 42, Hawaii 34. Our last order of business is handing out our week three hikes peak MVP, and this one was pretty easy for me. I'm going with Tori Horton, who of course had an incredible game in the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Congratulations. Come on down, Tori. His performance was an all-timer despite the loss. 16 catches, which I'm pretty sure is a school record, 133 receiving yards, a touchdown catch, and one of the most accurate non-QB touchdown throws I've ever seen. His constant jukes and tiptoe catches were finally on display for the entire country, so I felt like this recognition was warranted. Congrats, Tori. That's it for this episode of the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you so much for coming back to the mountain. Make sure to make the trek back here next Tuesday for another brand new episode where we'll talk about what went down in week four and get you filled in on what to expect in week five, which is pretty much the final week of non-conference play. If you enjoyed the episode, rate the show five stars on whatever platform you're listening on or leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing helps the show out more than that, so any ratings would be greatly appreciated. Follow us on Twitter at MWC Connection and find all of your Mountain West news at MWCConnection.com. Thank you again for listening. Can't wait to keep pumping out these episodes for all of you. Thank you for all
all your support. Until next time, I'm Jack Thompson. Enjoy your life.